Welcome home. I'm John Hernandez, and you have tuned in to the CFA Church Podcast. If you have any questions about CFA Church, feel free to visit us at cfachurch.com. We pray that you would walk away from this moment loving Jesus and changing the world. Enjoy the podcast. Amen. 60 years ago today, Father's Day, 1958, in a downtown theater, Union Street, pastime theater, with 32 people. Well, a, a table was set because God knew that there were hungry people in this community. This morning, we could tell literally thousands of stories over these past six decades from thousands of people, but we chose one to focus on this morning, and that's to trace the thread through three generations of the beginning of God's faithfulness through the development of the Crisis Distribution Center. A few weeks ago, I flipped on the television. I forget even what station it was on, but I saw a show that I'd heard about but I'd never seen before. It was The title of it was, Who Do You Think You Are? And basically, the premise of this show is that it follows a celebrity and digs into their DNA, their roots, their past, and just what's their story. Well, this particular episode was about Hillary Duff, and Hillary Duff was in Colonial Williamsburg. And they traced her roots to her great times six grandfather. And what she discovered was that her great, 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 great grandfather was the lieutenant governor of the entire Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, one of the guys that was there was reading her letters from his own handwriting, and she found out about his bravery, his honor, his valor, that one of his responsibilities was to protect this entire new colony from the real pirates of the Caribbean. And you can see Hillary Duff as she heard this story for the very first time in her life. Her, her eyes lit up. She began to be filled with courage and, and because she realized that, well, it's not just Pastor Tom and Betty's story. It's not just Pastor Rick and Susan's story. It's not just the stories that we'll tell of the people behind me, but these stories are our stories. So whether you've been here for 25 years or more at CFA or whether this is your first Sunday, well, CFA, this is your spiritual DNA. This is your heritage, and it empowers us when we hear the stories of the past to seize our future. The Bible continually talks about the promises of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Telling us that the promises of God are bigger than any one generation. And it always takes all of the generations to get all the promises. I've been sitting on this word for a while, about six months. as started digging into the Occupy series through the book of Deuteronomy. And this passage just kind of jumped out at me and... Felt like the Spirit said, pause on that one. That's for the 60th. So I want to read you God's word for CFA this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 3, beginning at verse 21. At that time, I gave Joshua this charge. You have seen for yourself everything that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. He will do the same to all the kingdoms on the west side of the Jordan. Do not be afraid of the nations there, for the Lord your God will fight for you. At that time, I pleaded with the Lord and said, O oh, sovereign Lord, you have only begun. You have only begun to show your greatness. Go ahead and shove your neighbor this morning. Preach to them the title of this message. Tell somebody you're just getting started. Tell them you're only begun to get started. 
Three phrases from scripture that I want to elaborate on as we tell these stories. Number one is you've seen for yourself. You've seen for yourself. We are here today because of the heroes of the past. We draw faith from the past. And again, not just the faith from leadership, but the faith from people that are in this room. In fact, if you've been at CFA for 25 years or longer, would you stand and can we honor those among us that have been part of the team that have been praying and working, we giving and generous and we honor you for your faithfulness. Emerging generation, I want to encourage you. It's so important that you know your story, that you celebrate your story, and that you honor your story. Our story begins with a couple of heroes who are sitting at this table, Miss Libby and Warren Vanderberg. Their story reaches further back than this, but I want to pick up their story in 1971. I had the amazing opportunity to sit down with this precious couple a couple of weeks ago as they filled me in on some of the workings of God. See, it was about in 1971 that Pastor Libby had heard of something. A wave was kind of sweeping the United States at that moment called the Charismatic Movement. And a lot of people that had been raised in church were beginning to be introduced to something for the first time called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Libby got curious about that and she began to ask questions like, is this real? But she was told that that ended with the apostles and that was just for the Bible, but that it didn't happen today. Well, it was one morning or, or excuse me, one evening when her youngest at the time, uh, Dennis, who was two years old, came in and was very sick. Warren, as he had done for many years, was traveling on the road as a truck driver, working hard, providing for his family. But here mom was home with a sick two-year-old, and she didn't know where else to turn. So she started praying. She said, God, I give you anything, everything in my life, anything that you want to do in me, use me. And she was praying for her boy. And when she did, this spiritual language, this baptism of the Holy Spirit began to pour out of her for the next while she was walking all over the house just praying in her spiritual language and giving God glory. She looked at the clock and looked at her kids. She said, God, I'm a mom. I got to get up and take care of these kids in the morning. You got to shut this thing off. And so a couple of weeks later, she shared with some of her friends about her experience, her excitement. Guess what, guys? What is in the Bible is really real. And, well, they weren't as excited as she was. In fact, some of them even told her that what she had received was from the devil. But her 12-year-old, her 12-year-old daughter, with some words of wisdom, came up to her and said, Mama, that can't be from the devil. The devil wouldn't give you anything that draws you closer to Jesus. And then, and then her daughter at 12 years old heard about a church in town that believed in the fullness of the Spirit. And her daughter contacts Pastor Tom, gets Pastor Tom on the phone with Miss Libby. Miss Libby said, Pastor Tom, they're telling me that, that this isn't real, that what I'm experiencing isn't real. Pastor Tom said, I, I don't want to say a negative word about anybody. I'm just going to ask you a question. Is it in the Bible? She said, yes, sir, it's in the Bible. He said, then who are you going to believe, man or God? She said, but Pastor Tom, Pastor Tom, they think I'm crazy. He said, oh, don't worry. We got a lot of crazy people over at First Assembly. She said, come on over. 
So Pastor Libby, so Libby comes over and a couple of, uh, of uh, years later, the Lord begins to birth in her heart then this, just this desire for, for outreach into the community. There were two of her friends and they just got together. They said, what can we do to touch the needs of the community? So they went to their food pantry. They went to their closets. They scrounged up some extra clothes and some extra food and they began in that day what will become, what has become today our crisis distribution center. So not only did they need a little bit of food and they needed some clothing, but they needed a little bit of money. One of the ladies had $20. Some of them, somebody else gave them another $20. They were thankful for that. But even back in the 70s, that wasn't a whole lot of money. One of the ladies went to Hardy's one afternoon. She went to pay for her sandwich, handed the cashier a bill. The cashier looked at her and said, ma'am, do you have anything any smaller? The lady was a widow, didn't have much at all to her name. She said, thinking in her mind, what could be smaller than a $5 bill? The cashier handed it back to her. It was a $50 bill. She started to get real nervous. She said, whose pocketbook did I pick up? How did I get a, a $50 bill? But there he, she has a $50 bill. She paid for the sandwich with the five, drove home, and God told her, there you go. There's your first $100 to begin the crisis distribution center. She said, God... I don't mean to correct your math, but 40 and 50 is not 100, it's 90. But she pulls in her driveway, opens up her mailbox, there was the other 10. God provided the $100 to begin. The CDC, the building's still there to this day. If you drive down 601 on the corner of 601 and Manor, Manor Avenue, it's the, the first building of the Crisis Distribution Center. They had $100, but rent was 90. Libby's father, who was an amazing man of God, a godly man, but he went up to, to Libby and said, Libby, how are you going to pay for this? She said, God's going to provide. He said, I'm serious, Libby. How are you going to pay for this? She said, I am too. The first month that God doesn't provide, we'll shut it down. Well, 60, 60 years later, God has provided every single month. It was at that time that Pastor Tom, uh, remember his story, he had, he had been driving around this area praying for the richest neighborhoods and the poorest neighborhoods, saw what Pastor Libby was doing, saw what Libby was doing and invited her, listen, in, in the 1970s, y'all, there were not a lot of women at that time being brought on to churches as pastors. And I am so thankful, and aren't you thankful for a heritage that acknowledges the call and ministry upon women of God? Amen. And so not only that, not only that, but Pastor Tom brings, brings Libby on, but the ministry begins to expand, it begins to grow. They move it from, from Manor Avenue and 601 to Rockland Circle. And then they, they rent three houses over near downtown Concord. And God just begins to continue to grow and grow and expand this ministry. And it's, again, not just because of... of uh, the ministry of leadership but the ministry of the faithful people that have been involved for all of these years. Pastor Tom and Betty, I, I honor you this morning for being used by God in so such amazing ways. I honor you for time and time again being pioneers, for starting a church in a theater when that was not a popular thing to do, 
for being one of the first to hire youth and children's pastors to reach into the next generation, to being one of the first to hire a female pastor, for beginning a Christian school, a daycare, and a living center, and for always using prayer and then obedience to walk out what God has had for your lives. We honor you this morning for that. Not only that, but God used then Pastor Libby, as she's now on staff to begin different things, prayer ministry, special, specialized ministry. So the backstory to specialized ministries, apparently, they tried to start that a couple of times. It didn't work. God went to, or, or Pastor, God, God prompted Pastor Tom to go to Libby and said, hey, we've tried a couple of guys. I think it's time to try a woman. And she got it off the ground. And again, how many years later, we have a thriving specialized ministry in, in here. But the next generation, the story doesn't just stop, stop there. It continues. The baton is passed because the Bible says that not only have you seen for yourself that he will do the same for you. He will do the same for you. We're here today because we must pass the baton to the next generation and we must do it well. Not only do we draw our faith from the past, but we ask God to expand our faith in the present. And so enter into this narrative now, Sam and Janice Klutz. Their story at CFA, or round about this time, starts in 1980. But Sam wasn't the well-dressed man that you see in front of you this morning with a shirt and tie on. Sam was a little rough around the edges. He was working at a trunk, trucking company at the time, and, and he was facing some challenges in his life. He was 20 years old. And he was not looking forward to his 21st birthday, and here was, here was the reason. See, he had been raised in church, but never really uh, get, had given his heart to the Lord, never really surrendered to the Lord. And he told the Lord, he said, I'm going to start serving you at 21. When I turn 21, I'm going to get my life together. And he went home and told Janice that. He said, I got a problem. He said, I told God at 21, I will get my life together. He said, I'm not getting any better. I'm getting worse. So there was a man that attended First Assembly, Curtis Montgomery. Curtis and Celeste Montgomery sat right back there. And Curtis was on fire for Jesus. And Curtis believed in, in loving Jesus and changing the world. And so he would go to that trucking company where he worked too. And every day he was witnessing to the next generation and witnessing. Sam sat there one day pondering these things in the back seat of a, a car after work, drinking his beer and went home and told Janice about it. And he, But one day, one day, in fact, it was November 28th of, 1980, when you told me this just a couple of weeks ago, Sam, with tears running down your cheeks as you were telling me, almost like the same Jesus that touched you in, in 1980, 28 years ago, was just as real and just as alive to you today, that at work he surrenders his life to Jesus saying, God, I don't want in control. He said, God, take my, take my family, take my future, take everything. So Sam goes home and he starts, he starts pouring his beer down the sink. Janice didn't know what was going on. He said, no, Janice. So he said, I got saved. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And he said, and there's this guy, Curtis Montgomery, invited us to church. Janice said, which church? He said, first assembly. She said, that white church. And aren't you thankful today that CFA is not a white church? 
or a black church or a Hispanic church or an Asian church. We're God's church. We're a whole lot of color in this church. And so they came on that Sunday morning and sat with Curtis. And at the end of the service, Pastor Tom got up and he gave the invitation, asking if there was anyone here that morning that if they died that day, did they know that heaven would be their home? Janice's heart was beating. She was nervous. Celeste leans over. She said, I'll go with you. And so Celeste Montgomery and Janice Klutz walked down this aisle. Pastor Larry Heath took their hands and led Janice to the the Lord that Sunday morning. Y'all, they caught fire. They were in church Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday night. When it wasn't one of those three times, they found a Bible study in their neighborhood and got involved in a Bible study. When there wasn't a Bible study going on, they would just drive around the neighborhood and start praying. They were picking up people and brought them to, before it was 365, Potter's house. Come on back in the day. Wave at me if you went to Potter's house. I see those hands out there. And so they were taking kids. They were reaching out bringing them to Potter's house. Well, after one Wednesday night, there was a little scuffle in the parking lot. And so Sam said, I don't know what to do. So they started inviting those teenagers over to their home on Monday night as Miss Janice would cook for them. And they would watch Monday night football, the beginnings of our urban youth enrichment that now reaches over 100 kids every week. And we just finished a camp for our UYE. Because what you see as a problem in your life, God sees as a ministry opportunity. And all God is looking for is another generation of people that will say yes to the call of God. So 25 years ago, then Miss Janice starts getting involved and volunteering in the CDC. And that has been her ministry that she now helps to lead. But it didn't stop there. It didn't stop there because the Bible says, not just have you seen for yourself, not only will God do the same for you, but that third, I love this prayer of Joshua, this young buck leader who has been uh, tasked with leading this nation. And so he prays this prayer, I think, out of a little bit of excitement and a little bit of vision and a little bit of nervousness of Oh, God, don't help me not to mess this up. He prays this prayer. Oh, sovereign Lord, you have only begun. You have only begun to show your greatness. In other words, CFA, you're just getting started. So enter into the picture, Debbie. Debbie's story as it pertains to CFA began very young in her life. In fact, she was raised at Rockland Circle. Rockland Circle, where Pastor Tom and this congregation built the very first building after they moved from the Pastime Theater. Built two buildings there, then built this building, then purchased the village property across the street. The building at Rockland was then sold to a Hispanic congregation, and at eight and nine years old, Debbie is raised in that very church. Things were going pretty good for Debbie until that time, though, about eight or nine, when her parents, who had been married for 20 years, decided to separate and then get a divorce. 
So her mom, who had been a stay-at-home mother, is now trying to get jobs and provide and make ends meet. Debbie tells the story that, that she went to four different schools and because they were constantly moving, they were, they were always worried, how's the, how's the bill going to be paid? Where are we going to live? And all of those things. But she said, we never had to worry, never had to worry about what we were going to eat because of the crisis distribution center ministry that was started in 1971 and passed the baton and passed the baton. And so there their family is eating. Well, Debbie then lives, uh, moves to Houston for about a year to live with her sister. Her sister had moved to Houston. Her sister was serving Jesus. And Debbie's kind of checking this thing out. She's been, had been going, Debbie's now a teenager at this point in her life and kind of uh, admiring her sister, but not so sure that she wants to com commit all the way. She moves back to Concord and she says, I might as well just keep going to church. And she didn't know what church to attend. So she said, well, why don't I just attend the church that fed me? So she starts going on her own to 365 all day, every day, 365 student ministries. She timed it right just as the countdown clock would enter, uh, end and they would go into worship. She would slip in so she didn't have to talk to anybody. Right after Pastor John would finish the altar call, she'd slip out and she would try to kind of be hidden for those, that first while. But there were some amazing adult leaders that wouldn't let her stay hidden. They began to connect with her and get her connected. And she found herself at a spring breakaway retreat. Halfway through that service, Debbie, you said God had the audacity to start touching you even before the altar call. Halfway through the service, just begins to weep, tears pouring down her face, and prays a prayer, much like Libby had prayed in 1971, much like that prayer, Sam, that you prayed on November 28th, 1980. God, take it all. I'm not in control any longer. And Debbie then, then catches fire for Jesus. She starts getting involved in ministry. She starts attending home group and they announce at 365 a missions trip to the Los Angeles Dream Center. The only problem was it was $1,600 and Debbie didn't have $1,600. So she did two things. She prayed as a teenager. She prayed and she got three jobs she got three jobs. Don't tell me about a lazy generation. This is a generation that if God calls them to do something, they're willing to work for it. So through prayer and working and working and working, she raises that $1,600, goes to the Dream Center in Los Angeles on a mission strip, and God starts to ignite a passion in her heart for ministry and leadership. The Dream Center has a college there, and so she goes to the college the next year and spends a year of her life investing in ministry and outreach and street outreach and in different things. She came back for what she thought was a break. But I've found that the Holy Spirit and, Cap and Pastor Kevin Smith are a dangerous combination. And we were just starting Southeastern University at CFA Church. So God began to work on Debbie's heart to come back, be part of our inaugural class at CFA. Last year, during one of her semesters, she has a practicum with Miss Janice in the CDC. Now she is working, praying with people that she says, Pastor, I got to pray pray with somebody who walked in and reminded me of my mom when we walked into that same place when I was eight years old. Now I'm praying with this lady. She's got tears running down her face. Do you see how God works in all of this? What we have 
on this stage, CFA, is an amazing picture. Three different generations, three different colors of skin, three different stories. But actually, maybe it's not three different stories. Maybe it's all one story. Maybe it's God's story. Thank you so much for joining us. Here at CFA Church, it is our deepest hope that you have found the place that you can call home. For more information about this community or to find out how you can connect, simply head over to cfachurch.com where you can plan a visit right from the website. It is our prayer that you will continue to love Jesus and change the world. God bless you.